it a two-point game. Well, here's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luka. Deep three on Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, the Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato. I write about the Mavericks. We've got Dave. He talks about the Mavericks. Dave, what has been happening in Mavsland? Well, the Mavericks won some games, right? Like, so we're, we're turning the corner, hopefully. They went 3-1 they went in the last week. Yeah. 3-1 in the last week. And, uh, you know, the, the thing we've been harping on. Making the open looks, right? Luca works hard to open things up for everybody. You've got all this space, but it doesn't matter if you're not hitting shots. You've got to make shots. Well, they're shooting 40% on open looks in the last four games, and they've been shooting about 31, 32%. So that, that difference won them some games. The defense is still awful, though. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a reason I predicted that they were going to win four straight back on – Friday night, Saturday, and and I, I think a lot of it is is the trends that we've been talking about, that we've been seeing, that we've been expecting to reverse. A lot of it is that. So let's let's talk about all that stuff. Uh, I also want to talk about the defense at some point, which I thought got off to a really promising start, and then just hasn't been quite the same. And, and then we'll just talk. We can talk more generally about whether they're actually going to win four straight or not, because I think that's a interesting, you know, question. It wasn't so much that I was certain or or telling people to put their their life savings on the morning four straight just just more of a more of a idea about the trends themselves uh real quick before we get to all that um there is a report a very viral uh story i published on the athletic last night that the mavericks are not uh playing the anthem before games and haven't been all season so that's there if you want to go check it out i don't think we're really going to talk about it too much uh i mean if, if you have any questions about how it, it came about i'm i'm happy to kind of answer them dave but it was uh it was just more of an interesting report and and i think this is the mm-hmm. first example uh particularly since the anthem became the hot spot that it is in the national consciousness and debate about black lives matter and and just something that it has been used to highlight that there's systematic racism throughout this country you know i, I think this is the first example that that we know of of a team just saying well we're not gonna we're not gonna play it We'll, we'll we'll just do away with it. Well, and it's it's an odd practice anyway. Um, you know, I I think so long, good riddance. Yeah, uh, it's fine. Doesn't belong. Doesn't belong in daily life. Yeah, the only other thing I'll add is that you know it, it was always going to end up in in kind of the culture war that that we see, and and people were always going to be upset about it. Um, and it means different things to different people but to me personally i thought it kind of proved cuban's point that it it took so long for for people to notice um myself included so there was (laughs) there was there was no part of me holding on to the story for the right time or or optimizing when i released it 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 legitimately was just not something i noticed and so you know i don't know so we're at three or four wins i agree dave i think that is a a good place for the mavericks to be and it's also a little funny that we're talking about three or four when that one loss in that moment felt like a a breaking point almost or or, or it felt it felt really bad and that was the game after that I predicted they were gonna they were gonna win some things and things were gonna get better and and there was even a reason why they lost that game but something about that game felt like 
a it certainly felt like a low point to the season. So it's funny that I agree with you and, and you're kind of describing this team as trending upwards and, and there's a, tr- you know, a positive through line to be taken through this, even though that one loss was a very low point objectively. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'd, I'd even say that beating Minnesota in the first quarter the way they did and then losing the next three quarters. It's it's still great you won the game, but there there are takeaways that that you just have to look and say, look, we have some serious problems here because Minnesota is awful. They're awful. They're hopeless. They they just have nothing going for them. Carl Anthony Towns wasn't in that game, and to to give up that lead and especially like the fourth quarter of that game was incredibly frustrating. To to see them still not able to just put their foot on necks at this point. I mean, this is now two years of this and I get it. Part of it is, you know, it's, it's talent. Part of it is, is not being able to turn up the defense. You know, you just don't have the bodies for that, but it's still troubling that they've been dealing with these same struggles now for this long and and nothing is different. I don't see any schematic differences from this team. Um, I don't see approach differences from this team late in games. I'm not seeing anything different. Uh, But they're making shots, and so it covers up for a lot of the warts that it doesn't when you're not making shots. I know that sounds so simplified, but that's just the truth. When you can make those open looks that you're generating at a clip that's, you know, above 37%, you're going to win a lot more games than you lose. Basketball is a simple game sometimes, Dave. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be complicated. People make it more complicated. Yeah. (laughs) We do a good job of that. The Mavericks. The Mavericks do a great job of that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's, it's just a bummer that they looked so engaged and looked so good and looked like the team that, you know, everybody thinks they're supposed to be and the, the team that they think they're supposed to be in the first quarter. And then they lose the next three quarters. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not as worried about it. I, I think the important thing was to win that game. I, I think, you know, I, I didn't analyze the why the fourth quarter was was the fourth quarter it was as as closely as I might have in different circumstances. Um, as I was kind of worrying about the you know a a breaking news story that 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 we discussed, but I I do think it's good that two players not named Luka Doncic hit shots in the last two games to really seal it. And that's something that didn't happen a lot last season and in clutch scenarios like this. And whether they ever should have been in that clutch scenario, obviously, no. They they should have stepped on the neck, like you said. But I think that all things considered, two wins, possibly on your way to four, uh, this is what I expected. And, and I expected it because I thought the three-point shooting would turn around and because they're finally playing games at home for an extended stretch. And, and because for their sake, they're, they're thankfully able to, you know, they look forward to one more back to back left uh, in, in this first half of the season. So these are all things I just like, we know this is how basketball works to an extent. I, I even saw something on, on Twitter about the direct correlation between uh, starting lineups, how many starting lineups teams have played and their, their net rating. And there is a through line, which is basically to say that if you played fewer net, which is basically to say if you've played fewer starting lineups, that means you've been the healthier team, which means you've been better. And I think in a season like this, as much as the Mavericks don't want to make excuses and as much as after that 
awful Warriors loss. I didn't make excuses for them. I, I, I said why it was bad. I said that it wasn't good enough. And I, I do think that's true. I, I can't not view the season through the lens of who is healthy and who is not. If you want to view it through the lens of a normal season, if somebody else wants to do that, that is up to them. I can't do that. It's it's too weird. It's too weird having to log into Zoom at, for every press conference and just be reminded about how strange everything is. And I think that's the defining aspect of the season that has to be remembered. And and it doesn't mean the Mavericks have played great at all times, but but I do think it matters. Sure. I mean, continuity matters, right? It was one of the big things that we did like about this team was that, you know, some of the big pieces were were in place and that they were adding guys. I mean, adding Josh Richardson on paper just seems perfect. Now, of course, when you look at Seth Curry on pace to become the first 50-50-100 guy, you have to start thinking, oh, man, wow, we really missed out. But it doesn't mean that would happen here, right? Right. Um, Joel Embiid has pretty good gravity, so he opens up things. But but the other thing is that you need what Josh Richardson can bring defensively, at least theoretically. Um, I like Josh Richardson off the ball, catching and attacking and things like that. But we just need more time to see it all work. The, the other thing is, like, Maxi Kleba is a very nice player. But depending as much on him as they do is not good. Right, like your your season shouldn't sink or swim because of Maxi Kleba. No offense, very nice guy. He does really feel like their most not. He's their most player, important obviously. player. He's the most yeah. important guy on the team. I mean, yeah, aside from Luca, of obviously, course, obviously. But it, it does it does really feel like so much of what what they do kind of revolves around him being able to be the player he is for twenty five minutes. Yeah. Whether whether he's even playing great or not, it's just mm-hmm. you know his his presence. Well, he attempted two threes in the game the other night, right? But like his his presence on the court changes the defense, you know, changes the way the defense has to guard the Mavericks, obviously. But he's a good defender. And so he picks up so much stuff that whoever they slide in there just hasn't been able to do. And he he I, I mean, I think he unlocks Porzingis quite a bit on the defensive end because you don't have to stick Porzingis on that big all the time. You can allow him to kind of help. Interestingly, somebody somebody was tweeting at me the other day that, and and this is something I'm, I, I want to do. I want to look at on my own as well and try to draw some conclusions. But the Mavericks have a better net rating with their two big lineups than than with their one big lineups, which isn't what we thought. We 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 did we absolutely thought that Porzingis as the lone center would be some of the more dangerous ones. Not not for every game, but but we thought certainly with the offense and. And just generally that that was the path forward for this team. But but if those numbers hold up uh, over over a longer stretch of time and, and from what I saw, they were, you know, four point difference between the the two big and the one bigs and, and the with the two big lineups being, you know, like significantly better. So I think that's interesting. I, I, I don't know. Like it, it's something worth watching. It, it's still early enough with without the full team being together long enough that it could be some level of randomization. Um, it could factor into the teams they've played. Uh, there's, there's a lot, you know, like they've, they've played tougher schedules, you know, maybe it's easier for a lone big lineup to play better against weaker teams. You know, there, there's a lot of scenarios and, and this, this is why I need to 
do a longer look at this. But I thought it was interesting enough, and, and from what I saw, certainly checked out uh, that it, that it was worth bringing up, and, and certainly worth watching going forwards. Well, I mean, I, I just think Porzingis is always going to be this guy. Like you, you can't. I don't think he can be your only big, unless you've got Draymond Green, who is able to just do everything next to him. Right. But I, I just don't think he can be your only big. It's why everyone keeps going to, you know, Andre Drummond is a big expiring contract. I wonder if there's any interest there. It's why teams are or people are constantly looking around at the center market and saying, you know, this guy wouldn't be awful next to Porzingis. And it's because you just can't have Porzingis. Like, he just isn't that guy. And right. trying to shoehorn him into that role is just not going to work. And that's why Maxi is so important because exactly. he's one of the five players in the league that could realistically play next to KP and do so as effectively as he does. Yeah. I mean, he, he allows KP to do the things that he is good at and can do some of the dirty stuff that he isn't good at and stretches the floor effectively on the other end. Hits clutch shots against Golden State. He literally hits clutch shots. I mean, it's the only ones that I know he's going to make. It's something that's that's feels clutch, right? Like he makes the ones that that you need him to make. And that guy's important. And but again, too important for what this team, you know, the goals that they have in mind. You know, if you think that this is a Western Conference Finals team, first of all, you're wrong. But but second of all, Maxi Kleba can't be in the starting line. I'm sorry. Like it's just not you need someone better. Plain and simple. Maxi is a good player. He, he'd be a great piece to be like the sixth or seventh man off the bench. Or not off the bench, but the sixth or seventh man in your rotation. But as a starter, I mean, it's just, you know, your, your ceiling is so much lower. This and he's a good in, player. It just sounds mean when I say it. Incredibly hurtful rhetoric against he's good. our own. 77 minutes in heaven's own Max and Kleba. Yeah. It's wow. good. Look, he is a good player, but but you understand the point I'm making. And, and I actually think if they could figure out what they're going to do there, if they're going to make a move or whatever, um, you know, it, better sooner than later. Because it's going to get late. As I keep saying, it's going to get late very, very early in the West. I mean, the West is stacked. And they're currently on the outside of the playoffs looking in. I know, like, we're only 25 games in, but, you know – they are in the 13th spot in the West. They got to make up a lot of ground. Now, you know, New Orleans is playing better. Sacramento is playing better. The Warriors are playing better. It's going to be tougher to get into that top 10 than than any of us expected. I mean, Memphis is outside looking in right now, and they've played really well, missing their guys. Sure. So if Dallas is going to make a move, I, I think they should do it soon. Should they make a move, Tim? I mean, what they have no assets. I I don't expect them to. I, I don't think that. I think they'll be fine. I mm-hmm. I also think Clayba could be in a starting lineup of a conference finals team. But I I, I get your point. Your point is, well, is it, it, not with this Porzingis. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah, you know, with a different team, like it, it's not. Your point is that his role and a lot of the roles on this team are stretched beyond mm-hmm. their means, and this has been the case for the team, and it remains the case for this team. And ultimately what they need is a talent influx and they're not going to get that through trade because they would, they have no pieces that they could send out that would bring back more immediate talent. They are out of future picks and that would be an example of sending future talent 
out to receive current talent in. They have sold out for the free agency period that's coming this summer. They've sold out for it. It's their only option. You know, if you want to make a small trade for a shooter or go sign a Kyle Korver or do something like that, I think that that could help balance, you know, a, a small weakness in this team uh, that, that would give Carlisle more options. We've talked about this. I don't think there's any trade functionally that they could make not involving Porzingis, which I do not think they're going to do, that... And also wouldn't be a an optimal use of of you know peaking at his value, you know he's certainly his value is certainly much lower than than it has been at other times. So yeah, I just don't think that what they ultimately need, which is just more talent, more talented players, more talent on the roster, more talent in the rotation. I just don't think they're going to get that through trade. They have sold out for free agency, and now we wait. Um, well, they could be early on free agency because you know. Andre Drummond is going to be a free agent this summer. They could just trade, get him, and then it, maybe it works out and they they sign him with bird rights. I, I I just think that they could be a little bit more Are proactive. You seriously, saying we're not doing the Andre. And I don't Drummond think Andre Drummond discussion. solves their problems, but Andre Drummond is a better player than what they have available right now to fill that need. And I I just think that there is a there is a serious There's need. No way you're playing him in Porzingis. In the same lineups and functionally having any better of a defense. And, and we're about to get to the defense. The fact the defense already doesn't look as good as we thought. And that's with a bunch of good defensive players. There's no way you put two proper centers in a lineup and think that Porzingis or Drummond can possibly keep up with most fours in the league. I disagree that Porzingis is a proper center. It's not that he's not a big, but he's more of a wing than he is a center. And when he guards, he's. On offense, he, yes. And he, but he can't guard on the wing on defense, and he, you can't have him guard not centers on defense. Your position he is who you guard. He can't guard centers either. Right, so he's got no position. He's playing positionless basketball because he can't guard anybody. And, and well, that's you why watch Max him in the so pick important. and roll. You watch him in the pick and roll, and he looks like a guy who's never never moved his body, much less played basketball. He guarded a pick and roll a couple weeks ago. I think we talked about this, and it was like, I don't know, it was like he was on his tippy toes trying to grab a plate off of a very high shelf. I, I don't know what that style was. I'm not sure who he learned it from. I don't think that, uh, you know, Coach Carlisle was teaching that in practice at any point. But if those are his natural instincts, you need somebody who could do it better, plain and simple. And on the on the nights where he's shooting the lights out, it's great. But how many of those nights does he have a year? Six? Maybe that's the problem. Sorry, that's my Porzingis rant today. I mean, I think there is obviously a lot of truth in there. The idea that Porzingis needs to be a better offensive player because ultimately his value comes from his offense. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. He hasn't been as good offensively this season as he needs to be. I think you're you're being a little harsh defensively. You're mostly right about this year. I don't like what I've seen. I do think that Monday's game was a was a positive development that he got six blocks. It, it, defense is not all about weak side. In fact, mostly defense is not about weak side shot blocking. It matters. Um, it's important. Uh, most of it's about each person's man to man defending mm-hmm. and pick and roll defending and, and lateral mobility. That's ultimately the most important skills when it comes to defense. I do have concerns about his mobility and, and how well he's moving. Uh, you know, uh, teams are going to target him. Teams are always going to like, if you're choosing to build around a seven, three center, he's going to get targeted. Like 
some of this is just about being a better offensive player than anything he gives up on defense. And if he can be a below average man defender and a above average help defender and a great offensive player, that is a good player to have on your team. That's a that's a star. That's a star player. That that is a star combination right there. Well, remember he had that month. He had that month last year where it was like, oh wow. Do you think it's All impossible right. he gets back there? I just don't think I think he just has months like that. Yeah. I, and, and I mean, I just haven't seen enough of it to, to feel convinced otherwise. Do you remember what you felt about him back in back in New York? Like is, uh, is, is it was the what, same thing. Yeah. So it was the same thing. Remember, he had that that really great start to the season the year before uh, his last his last season in New York before he got hurt. He looked amazing for that first like month, month and a half. And then he had the injury and was out for two years. And then, you know, he had a great month in Dallas in January, February, whatever that was. And then, of course, we had the hiatus, and then, you know, he, he got hurt in the bubble. Uh, I, I will say he looked pretty good in the bubble. He looked good, and I thought he started yeah. looking good about mid-January mm-hmm. of last year. And then all the way through the bubble, he looked great. Right, and he may look better as he's rounding into shape. None of these guys, I think, are in good condition right now across the league. Like, I think that when when you've got people who have been in and out of lineups as much as everyone in the league is – it, it is not out of the question that Porzingis is is not 100%, right? Like, I, I'm not even saying that he is 100%. He clearly is not uh, at the physical level that he was last season. So take everything I'm saying with that caveat. But right now, what he's doing, I think, is just not enough defensively. You mentioned him being a, a backline help guy. That's the perfect role for him, but he doesn't guard the wing well enough that you can trust that. And this is why you're reticent to get a a more traditional big. But for me, I think you've got to challenge him to do it because your defense, the ceiling of it, ultimately relies on him being able to do that because he's better as that help guy coming in to block shots than he is being the guy who's in charge of protecting the rim area. right? Like He's just not going to be able to do that for anything I've seen. I don't think he's going to be able to do that. I mean, I've seen quite a bit of his career because there haven't been that many games. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, my point is that, you know, they're they're either stuck with him or they're they're not. They're either moving forwards with him, with Porzingis Mm -hmm. as the second best player, or they're not. And if the argument needs to be made by by people that they need to move on from him, I don't really know how they do that. I don't know. I don't think that they'd get nearly reciprocal value back in the trade. Um, there's an argument you made. They made a mistake giving him the contract in the first place. Like these are all arguments. I, yeah. I see some value in. I don't see value in saying, well, he needs to do better at this thing that he doesn't do. Yeah. yeah. Like you oh, have yeah, to just, yeah. Yeah. So essentially I'm like, this is, this is who he was at his best. This is, this is the player that they want him to be. How do you get him back there? You know, someone like Drummond is not going to get him back there, get him back to that level. Uh, you know, you don't get Drummond and then magically KP does learn how to guard wings. You know, they, they've, <laughs> they've sold, they've sold, they've spent a lot of money. They've invested, committed a lot of money to Porzingis for him to be the second best player on this roster. And well, he would still be the second best player if Drummond showed up. Oh, Let, let's just, yeah. okay, yeah. I just want to be clear about that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so so yeah, that's that's essentially my point. So so I, I think all the arguments that that maybe they made made mistakes or that 
you know, somehow if the chance came up, they need to move on. Those are all arguments that make more sense to me, even if I disagree to an extent, because I still have some level of belief in what Porzingis can be at his absolute best and some level of belief that he will get back to that absolute best that we've seen in Dallas as recently as last bubble. Um, last bubble. Bub- bubble bubble is more of a time. Well, that's bubble one. Right, yeah, right. No, that's bubble it, one because we're bubble, gonna have another bubble, bubble. Literally, bubble is more of a time denomination than like any <laughs> month. Like the bubble, the time in my life back when the bubble was happening means so much more to me than last November. Like the somebody being, like the, <laughs> it's like the it's like the battle dome. You uh, remember when it happened? Uh, but uh, but you, get my, you get my point. Look, I, I get Porzingis, your point. I get your point. I, I think we know who Porzingis is. I mean, and, and if you could pair him with. Uh, Joel Embiid, it's a no-brainer. But you don't have Joel Embiid out there that is probably gettable. But Andre Drummond's a guy who's out there. And I'm not even sure that they necessarily need Andre Drummond. They need Porzingis to be better, right? But if he's not going to be better, they've got to figure something else out. And, and for me, ideally, you would get to a point where you're able to bring Maxi off the bench. And I just think because he's so good. Like, it's another good player for your bench, that's well, the thing. It's not necessarily taking Maxi away from the starting lineup. It's solidifying your bench with so, by hopefully replacing him with a guy who is a, an upgrade in the starting lineup. So if Porzingis is better and if if Claybo's coming off the bench, let's get to the last last point, which we've we've talked around. Like, is that making the defense better? Why why hasn't the defense been better well, when we saw a few weeks of it looking like, oh wow, okay, so here's that defensive change. Like we're gonna have to slog through some bad offense. And now now it just looks like they're the last year's Mavericks. With mm-hmm. without Seth Curry and with Josh Richardson, and it just looked like the the old team that would would score one forty and 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 win by five. Well, and but that's Porzingis at the five, right? Like you're you're that is what you're gonna you're gonna be. That is what your defense is gonna be with Porzingis at the five. I mean, even when he was great last year and healthy, that defense was like this. But so they've got to hit thirty eight percent on these open threes. So they've you think gotta, they've got to have a top five offense. So you think largely the defensive issues are born out of Porzingis being unable to essentially like defend pick and rolls. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't think any of this boiled down to Hardaway Jr. and Seth Curry and Luka Doncic, who wasn't even, you know, was not as good defensively last season as he is this season. Mm-hmm. You don't think some of it just came down to them not being good perimeter defenders this year. Last year and like, like oh, last year, no, 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 absolutely, I, no. Last year there was a lot of perimeter issues, but I thought Luca was, I thought Luca was mostly pretty good last year defensively. Yeah, he was fine. You know, uh, he had moments where it was like, you know, you could tell disinterest or or give up on a play. Um, but but overall, I thought he, his defense he, he was, was pretty better good. than people thought last season defensively, uh-huh. and he's worse than people think defensively this season. A- um, absolutely, I would. He I has would improved, agree with that. but yes. Um, but, and, and Tim Hardaway, I thought last year was okay defensively. Um, Seth Curry's all right, but he's small. He's undersized. I mean, you can see that when he's trying to guard any kind of big guard, he, he struggles with that. Um, So like, why aren't they better with with Richardson? Because, oh, well, I don't know that, (laughs) that, that I don't know. I mean, in theory, Richardson should have been such a big upgrade on Seth Curry, but I got to be honest with you. I've been saying this thing of uh, this theory about Josh Richardson for a couple of years now. 
I was like, theoretically, he could be that secondary playmaker that they needed or uh, in Philly, right? Oh, they got him in Philly. He's going to work great next to Ben Simmons. Kind of the same thing I've been saying about Luka. The truth of the matter is he's not going to shoot the lights out. He's not going to necessarily raise anybody else's ceiling with his own playmaking, although he is he makes some nice plays here and there. But they need him to be a, a better version of what he has been for this thing to work out because – in particular, when you look at what Seth Curry's doing shooting the basketball, you can see that the Mavericks could be using that right now. But it's too early to tell for me on on Josh Richardson just because we don't have enough games with him. You know, like I need to see this whole team together for a lot longer than the five games or whatever we've we've gotten. Uh, but I do know that Porzingis sucks at defense. I I still don't don't fully agree there, but uh, but I I get what. I once again get what you're saying. I I am asking if, if these he questions. starts moving better. If he starts I, I moving it, better, it, it yeah. can change. It could change. I know. I, I'm asking the questions about the defense because I just I don't have good answers right now. Um, I think they will be better. I feel certain that you know they aren't just going to magically become the same team they were last year, where it's offense only and uh, you know, like I was saying, 140 and win by five, but. Uh, it's a little weird to me that the team did look substantially better for a few weeks and almost to the point that we were adjusting to a new reality of what this team would look like. Then obviously they had the the three-week spurt where they were missing players due to COVID and everything was weird and nothing counted um, in terms of analysis. Certainly the the, the losses did. And and now they're back and and they're in this they're in this weird state and I don't know why the defense is what it is. So I, I all I all I can say is I expect it to get better. Um and if we just don't have good answers for it, um, other than your Porzingis hatred. Um, I don't which- hate Porzingis. <laughs> if anything, I'm, I probably have been too soft on him to this point, and maybe I'm overcorrecting here. I just I, love I'll, push. I'll, I, I love finally having something to push you on. And, yeah. and I, I love I love getting this ver- this version look, of Dave. I just want – look, I want Porzingis to, to be better at, at defense. I, I Plain and simple. <laughs> Um, it is absolutely frustrating to watch a guy with his physical tools, the way, I mean, the way that, you know, he can move when he's healthy. I still don't think he's healthy. I still do not think that he is, you know, a hundred percent. He clearly is not in, in game shape completely yet. Granted, I understand it, (laughs) you know, like it makes complete sense to me. and, And I think that any player struggling with conditioning should make a lot of sense to everyone. It is a it is a hard time right now for these guys to be in game shape. In particular, you get the condensed schedule, but no practice, and you know guys have been in and out of the lineup. So I understand. I'm I'm giving him all of these excuses, but just be better. <laughs> That's it. Just be better. Plain and simple. Just be last, better. Last thing to close it out. Uh, just a quick look at the standings and and just a just an idea. Like how dire is this? I, I don't think it's that bad. I mean, I I no. think that. So so they're. 11 and 14 as of Wednesday morning as we're recording this. They'll be 500 by next week. They're two games behind the seventh seeded team, Denver, a team they've beat twice now. Mm-hmm. They beat at least once and then should have beat again. They beat, they beat them twice, right? I think they won both games, yeah. Yeah. So, like, and, and then they're the other, the team in eighth is the Warriors. You know, they've, they've beat the Warriors once, uh, obviously lost on the second night of a back to back in a bad fashion, but. I, I would say that the Mavericks are better than the Warriors. And the Mavericks are on par or in the same zip code, in the same vicinity as Denver. 
Um, the other teams above them are San Antonio, Portland, Phoenix, and then, you know, the clear top three that the Mavericks are not approaching, which is Utah, Los Angeles, and other Los Angeles. So they're not there yet. They won't be this season. Um, there's no way to add talent. They're stuck waiting for free agency. I think that is all objectively true. And the best they can do is push for that fourth seed uh, with a slow start, more realistically, maybe fifth or sixth. Stay out of the the playoff. Um, what are we calling it? The playoff, the play-in, the play-in. Play-in, play-in. The playoff play-in? Yes. God, I don't like that. Okay. Yeah. But that's fine. Whatever. I trust. I'm sure the NBA had a lot of, a uh, lot of, a. Uh, what do they call it? Target audience. You know, when you bring an audience into a room and you have like yeah. that police mirror and uh, focus grouping. So focus there it is. Group. I'm sure yeah. they did a lot of focus grouping and decided playoff plan was the best pop possible. I don't know if that's the, the official. I don't know if that's the official name or not. I, I look. I think the, the play is. is <laughs> I think it's silly, but I'm just doing now. There are ten playoff spots because it, technically, even the play in guys, that's still a playoff spot. So if you're Fair in. Enough. That top 10, you're getting a shot. Um, but you don't want to – obviously, you don't want this team to be 7, 8, 9, or 10, right? That would be a failure. Yeah. Even given the circumstances. But have you looked at this this summer's free agent list? That's a – that's a yes, I have. And that, that, that's, we'll talk about that later. The, yeah, we're yeah. talking about this on but, another podcast. But I'm just going to say, unless you really think Will Barton and Kelly Oubre Jr. are going to you know, change your fortunes – you got to look to make a move and you're right. They just don't have assets. And how do you, how do you find those? Hmm. The answer is, is still auto Porter, but, um, they'll be five. I I agree. going back to what you said. they will be 500 next week. I I think you're right about that. And I I don't know if it'll be 500 by our next podcast, but by the end of next week, you know, a few days after our next podcast, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll check in. They're going to have a, they're going to have a top five defense for the next two weeks. And Porzingis is going to look like an MVP just because I talked about how bad he is at defense. They have two stretches of multiple days off coming up in the next few days, which is wild. Yeah. And, and so again, like I think as the schedule, like as we move into the second half of the schedule and they're starting to give these guys more time because, you know, Luckily, there haven't been as many postponements as I think the league kind of anticipated early on. There's been a yeah, lot. Especially after think the that, first run of them. Yeah, and I think that the the league has set themselves up so that in the second half of the season, the schedule won't be as condensed. I think we'll see more of what this team actually is when guys are, are in better shape. I'm, I'm really curious to see how teams are looking at the end of March as we approach the trade deadline. You know, and and hopefully we've gotten – some sort of, I don't know. Not, I'm not going to say normalcy because this is not normal, but at least within the season confines, a little bit more normalcy. Dave, you were right. This was an optimistic podcast. I'm an optimist. It ended optimistically. I'm an optimist. It's what I'm known for. Seth and Mo are the grumps, and I'm the optimist. Oh, well, we'll uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks everyone for listening. See you then. Oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Oh Let's go home! <laughs> it's a wrap, dude. Man, that is a wrap.